0: For listening to this Aspen podcast supported by a grant from Fresenius Cobby. My name is Carol Ireton jones and I'm a registered dietitian in private practice working with GI patients and those requiring home parenteral and enteral nutrition. I'll be interviewing Kelly Kinnair, MS, RD, CNSC, and Jillian Palmer, RD, CNSC, About their clinical research in home nutrition support. The research discussed in this podcast is from two abstracts Kelly and Jill presented at Aspen 21. These are Safe Initiation of HPN in Patients at Risk for Refeeding Syndrome Using Evidence-Based Protocols and Parenteral Nutrition Clinical Interventions made by a home infusion nutrition support team. We're pleased to have this opportunity to discuss this research with the authors. Kelly and Jill have examined real life clinical dilemmas and provide data in key areas, home initiation of parental nutrition and clinical management of home parental nutrition. So Kelly, please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about you and about your research.
1: Sure, well, thank you for so much, Carol, for having us. And thank you, big thank you to Aspen as well for recognizing the importance of our research. Um, my name is Kelly Caner, and I'm the Director of Clinical Nutrition at Option Care Health. I'd like to kind of go over a little high level of research and give you guys a really nice summary of kind of what, what we did and what we found. So our study reviewed patients who initiated parental nutrition in the home setting which we often refer to as home start pn and we looked at patients over a 3 month period and what we wanted to look at was we wanted to determine risk of refeeding syndrome in this population and also evaluate the incidence of refeeding syndrome using the newer aspen consensus recommendations and then we wanted to determine the influence of those two things on kind of key clinical outcomes in this patient population such as hospitalization and then we also sort of use this as an opportunity to evaluate the efficacy of our internal evidence based Home Start PN protocols that our diet, registered dietitians use. So, what we found was that about 80% of the patients were at risk for refeeding syndrome. And we did combine moderate and significant risk together. And so, you know, this seems high, but this really was consistent with what we've found previously when we've done similar studies. And then what we found was about 11.8% of these patients exhibited characteristics or some characteristic of refeeding syndrome. And again, we used those newer Aspen recommendations for that purpose. So a decrease in serum, you know, phos, potassium, or magnesium by at least 10% within those first five days. You know, though we did find that, you know, we did have a number of patients exhibit some characteristics of refeeding syndrome really none of these patients experienced any sort of clinical issues as a result, You know, meaning that their low electrolytes were really not life-threatening and we were able to correct those in the parenteral nutrition solution. We also found that our patients that were at high risk for refeeding syndrome you know, they did require more fluid and electrolyte replacement before they initiated PN and it did take them longer to achieve their goal, parenteral nutrition infusion. But that really makes sense because this population, you know, we need to start low and go slow. We need to monitor them much more closely. And they're also the ones who are going to require that fluid and electrolyte replacement before they initiate PN. And that's all based on those Aspen recommendations. So then when we looked at those clinical outcomes or those re-hospitalizations or hospitalization or ED admission within those first two weeks, 16% of our sample did have a hospitalization or ED admission in those first two weeks. Uh, However, only two of those patients, which really amounted to about 1.7% of our total patient population, was hospitalized for a nutrition-related reason. So I just think the the research that we did really highlighted that you know safety of initiation of PN in the home setting when we use evidence-based protocols. You know, I think home Start PN is still really an underutilized area in nutrition support.
0: Thank you so much. A question that I had that I'd like you to clarify a little more, if you wouldn't mind, is it's a home start patient on parenteral nutrition, but were these home starts all new starts to parenteral nutrition?
1: We treated them all as a new start. So what we didn't do as part of our data collection was look at whether patients had been on parenteral nutrition in the past. But all of them hadn't been on PN, you know, let's say they did require PN in their past. It had been some time. So they were essentially all treated as new patients and were treated as, you know, giving us giving first dose in the home setting.
0: And just a quick expansion on the reasons for hospitalization, 16% were hospitalized or had an ED visit, but only around 2% that were nutrition related. So what, what sent them back into the hospital?
1: Yeah. So the, the two patients actually was interesting when we looked back at those one patient, um, actually had contaminated labs and I, you know, we still categorized it as a nutrition related reason for the purposes of our data collection. But I think, you know, all of us clinicians understand that, you know, contaminated labs essentially are false labs. Um, but this situation, the physician still chose to send the patient to the hospital other patient was actually hyperkalemic, um, and that was more related to a sort of newer decline in renal function. So none of the patients were hospitalized related to refeeding syndrome or directly related to their parental nutrition therapy.
0: Very good. That That's such important data and such important readily usable clinical data. Thank you, Kelly. I wanted to switch over to Jill and would you tell us a little bit about you as well and the research that you did? Uh, Why did you decide this research topic? Yeah,
2: absolutely. So my name is Jill Palmer and I am a nutrition support dietitian with Option Care Health and I've been in my role for the past three years. Sort of the reason that we decided on this topic was really to highlight the value of the home infusion dietitian and all the work that they put into caring for the complex home PN patient. We wanted to really validate the work we were doing and also to get a snapshot of really, you know, what kind of patients are requiring intervention and if there were any major themes in the types of interventions that our home nutrition support dietitians were making. So we reviewed adults 18 years and older over a two-month period of time and ended up pulling 1,898 patients, which was almost 7,000 assessments over that two-month period of time. There were a total of 8,302 interventions. And we weren't surprised to see that the most common um, changes that our dietitians were making were macronutrient and electrolyte changes Followed by infusion time or day changes, volume changes, and micronutrient additive changes. So that 8,302 interventions equated to roughly 60% of the assessments that our dietitians were doing. There were times where there was more than one intervention per patient, or there were times that one, you know, we, the dietitian didn't make any intervention. We also looked at whether or not there were certain diagnoses that we saw that were more common to have intervention changes. So our top five diagnoses were bowel obstruction, fistula, complications related to bariatric surgery, intestinal malabsorption or short bowel syndrome, and gastroparesis. So these diagnoses did make sense to us as they are more clinically complex and more likely to need changes over time from things like fluid shifts or output changes. But like I said, this really allowed us to sort of validate the work that we're doing and see, you know, the value that the home infusion dietitian brings to the team. That, you know, we are reviewing these patients often making changes when changes should occur, not making changes when changes don't need to occur, and really adapting and individualizing the care for the nutrition support parental nutrition home patient.
0: Jill, this is so interesting, and it makes me wonder if there was a way you could compare your interventions that you did in the home with the kind of interventions that are done in the hospital. That would, that would be very interesting. So there's your future uh, research for you. You're reading our minds here. We've got a lot of different directions this data could go in for the next few years. I fully agree. You know those home nutrition support dietitians, how they think alike. <laughs> As I listen to this, out of these diagnoses that you have here your top 5, which are you seeing that the managing team needs the most assistance with that you as the home nutrition support dietitian can provide? So, who who needs that help?
2: So, you know, I think that When you look at these patients, you're hoping that all of them have a robust team of individuals that are helping them with their care. Now, there are certain diagnoses, maybe something like short bowel syndrome, where those patients are probably going to a short bowel or intestinal rehabilitation team. Some of the ones I think that really strikes that the dieticians are, are essential even more so would be patients that have complications related to bariatric surgery. I would say those surgeons are probably have less parenteral nutrition patients overall and may have a little bit of less experience. The other one that sticks out to me is gastroparesis. So this is one where it's pretty common to have multiple therapies, whether that patient is receiving some enteral nutrition, um, IV fluid, they're also taking food by mouth. And so when patients have these multiple therapies, um, you know, that home infusion dietitian can really manage the whole picture. And I think that is so important, um, you know, for these patients to really have someone that understands, you know, the multifaceted care that these patients require.
0: Well, here, here's a question that is is difficult that I'll ask to you. And then Kelly, I'm gonna ask you to think about it too while she's answering in the in her context here. But what do you think is the key consideration in clinical management of these patients? Or are there several? And you might have alluded to that a moment ago, but what would you be focusing on first? And I'll say that now you've got some general patients here, and then I'd like you to think about that too, Kelly, and response to your patients who are home start. So Jill, I'll, I'll start with you. Yeah,
2: I think that one thing that was highlighted with the information we saw is just how important it is to individualize patient's care. I think that it's having someone that understands the complexities of the home setting and all the nuances of managing a home parental nutrition patient. And that can really understand that individual patient's needs and then be able to manage that big picture. As I mentioned, a lot of times these patients are on multiple therapies. And so making sure that you have that key individual that's well-trained to um, kind of adjust the therapies as the patient moves through their clinical experience, I would say is probably the key consideration for these patients. I think that's very important. Kelly?
1: I would really just echo what Jill said. Individualized parental nutrition or individualized nutrition management is key in these patients. There is, there are no two patients that are alike. Um, and it is so key for the same clinician to be involved in all of those therapies. I mean, the patient is more likely to be successful um, in weaning, weaning from one to the other, weaning off of one type of nutrition support completely when there's that one person involved or one clinician or dietitian in this case when I think about our home start PN patient population it really would be a similar story. Um, I think you know in terms of our team that registered dietitian is really kind of running that show following our protocols taking that that one patient that individualized patient and coming up with an individualized plan where we start at how we advance, um, again, no two patient is the same in this scenario, and there are so many clinical decisions that need to be made. And that dietitian is so pivotal in the communication with the patient, the nurse, the prescriber to get all of that accomplished um, to, to make that patient successful.
0: Kelly and Jill, I think your research highlights the type of complex management that home PM patients require You've also told us how important the registered dietitian nutritionist is. So what type of experience or competencies does a RDN need to have to manage home parental nutrition patients? Can I leave my internship and run in and start to do this? Maybe you could characterize what, what things that you think would be good for a nutrition support dietitian to have, or you can even go further into nutrition support clinicians because we often overlap.
1: Yeah, you know, I'll I'll start this one and then I, I'm sure Jill has lots of ideas as well or suggestions. You know, I was lucky enough to really sort of start my career in nutrition support, but I really had a robust program that I went through where I got a lot of experience. Um, and, and not every program, you know, has that capability. And so I think, you know, when we look at a home infusion dietitian and the qualifications, you know, we do really need to see a lot of direct nutrition support experience, either in an inpatient or outpatient setting. You know, I started my career on the inpatient side before moving to home infusion. I was there for seven years um, and, you know, have now been in home infusion for nine and there's no looking back. I I certainly love the home infusion world, but I I don't think I could have done what I do now without having had that direct inpatient experience. You know, it's funny. I always say that I would be a better inpatient clinician if I were to go back because I understand this side of it better. Um, And I think I honestly would be a better clinician. I would, I would maybe pay a little more attention at discharge with certain things, right, to make sure that my patient is set up for success at home. So that baseline knowledge is really helpful. And, you know, in the hospital, it's easy. You get labs every morning. You can make changes to the solution every day. And in the home setting, you don't have that luxury. So sometimes there's a little bit of a prediction with where the labs might go in a week. So that does take an experienced clinician. Now, that's not to say that if a dietitian knows they want to be a home infusion dietitian, they can't fast track, right? So maybe a couple of years of experience on the inpatient side, you know, certainly doesn't have to be numerous, but as long as that experience is there and that baseline knowledge is there, um, certainly, you know, there can be more of a fast track for that. You know, I think the CNSC certainly is something that is important in our field, right? If we are going to be calling ourselves nutrition support dietitians, we really should have that credentialing to sort of back that up, right? It denotes us as the experts in in our field. So I'll turn it over to Jill and see what else you want to add there.
2: Yeah, I think I, I definitely want to echo the CNSC. I mean, you think Aspen recommends several years of experience before sitting for that exam. And I, I certainly couldn't imagine passing the exam or being able to absorb all the information required without that experience but that credential really denotes the rd or any other clinician that ends up taking that exam and passing it as the expert in nutrition support and it includes more than just the basic rd training since it is a multi multidisciplinary exam so you think about when the you know the home support dietitian or the home nutrition support clinician is calling that patient they're not just asking about their weight and what, how they eat, and whether or not they infuse. They're asking about their central line. They're asking, you know, they're probing for, you know, looking for infection. They're getting questions about medications. And um, certainly having that extra experience and understanding of all the different parts of a home infusion patient uh, will certainly make someone more successful in the outpatient setting. You know, the other thing is that that exam includes pediatrics. Not every dietician is fortunate enough to have pediatrics in their inpatient facility or even in their um, internship, depending on, you know, what resources they have available. So gaining that knowledge to be able to manage both adult and pediatric patients and uh, frankly flip flop in between them, um, you know, back and forth, back and forth throughout the day. And then I think, you know, to echo kind of what Kelly had alluded to, care coordination can be much more difficult in the home infusion setting. Not everyone's on rounds at the same time. Not everybody is. You're not getting labs right away. You know, there's so many information isn't as quite as at your fingertips. It really needs a confident person that has the instincts to review the whole picture, bring in care coordination, bring in the home infusion nurse, bring in the different physicians that are helping to take care of that patient to make sure that that patient is being taken care of to the best of our ability. And it comes down to having, you know, a strong clinician that can really advocate for that patient in the home setting and frankly help them advocate for themselves in the hospital setting we want the patient to be involved in their care. Um, in the home setting, we can't do it without the patient being the center of their care. And so they um, you know, need someone who is experienced enough to truly understand what they're going through and have the knowledge base to take care of them in the best possible
0: way. Well, I, I do hope that people who are receiving home parental nutrition could hear this because I think that they would understand how much Certainly, you two and home care clinicians feel that they want to provide the best possible care for their patients. We've spoken mostly about HPN patients because that was a big focus of your both of your research. Would you say that, that you feel similarly for the experience and competencies and management for a home enteral nutrition? Or what would you think about that? Jill, would you like to go first on that just briefly? Sure. Yeah. I would say it's, you know, kind of the same. A lot of the
2: themes that Kelly and I have spoken about, I would echo for that. Although enteral patients aren't typically clinically as complex, I think that, you know, the RHD should be able to understand both. And frankly, so many patients are on multiple therapies. And as Kelly said, you know, weaning from one to the other and back and forth, it really, you know, makes the requirements for the ideal home infusion dietitian um, the same.
0: Kelly, a few comments or Are you fully in agreement? <laughs> I am in agreement.
1: I it really should be the same criteria met and same competencies like Jill said. And when you think about the CNSC, you know, exam. It's it's nutrition support, which is both therapies. They are both complex although, you know, I will agree right we don't you know, we say sometimes enteral nutrition patients aren't as complex that maybe managing parental nutrition might require a little bit more skill, but, you know, many could probably argue that. And I think that, that there, it takes a really strong clinician to be able to manage both at the same time, to wean from one to the other, and then to know when to wean off. So to say we're nutrition support dietitians, it means we do manage both. So that criteria should be the same.
0: And
2: I'm sure some of our more uh, seasoned enteral dieticians are probably are like, (laughs) hello, what about all of the supplies and all the different tubes? And I mean, there's a whole, you know, we could go down a whole nother rabbit hole of all of the intricacies of the home enteral patient that you just don't see in the inpatient setting because the hospital uses the same equipment or same supply. And there's someone else there that kind of manages that, whereas the home enteral nutritionist nutrition dietitian is just has to understand all the supplies that are available and be able to um, adapt to all those issues that can happen in the home for a enteral patient.
0: Well, I think that is a perfect place to stop. I uh, want to thank you, Kelly Kinnear and Jill Palmer for joining us today. It was excellent. Uh, we also want to thank Fresenius Kabi for providing us the opportunity to discuss this research. As always, thank you to our audience for listening to this Aspen podcast. That's all for this episode. Please return to the Aspen SoundCloud channel often to listen to our newest podcast. To support what we do, please share, subscribe, and leave a review on SoundCloud.